It was nice walking on the beach with a fish just as big as me on my back. <laughs> Two things we were long overdue for on this show are a guest from Hawaii and an epic spearfishing story. Well, we've got them both for you right now on episode 59, brought to you by ReelsandTackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. All right, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Justin Tantog, and he is coming to us from the place where we all wish we were right now, and that is Hawaii. Justin, how you doing, man? Aloha, guys. Um, thank you for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I-, I was just mentioning before we started the interview here that uh, I don't know how it's possible uh, after doing this show for a year, but we have not talked to an angler from Hawaii yet. So this is long overdue and uh, really excited to talk to you about uh, fishing out there in that spectacular place where you live. But before we jump off into that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do? Again, yeah, I live in Hawaii. If you guys are um, familiar with some of the action that goes on here, a lot of fishing, a lot of diving. Um, it's really culturally embedded um, here with the locals. And so everyone kind of grows up learning how to do one thing or the other, if mm-hmm. not both. Um, Hunting is also big here. And um, like I was saying before, um, there's a lot of terminolo- terminologies that's a little different over here. So hopefully I could kind of match the dots or put the dots together. So it makes it easier for everyone to understand. Yeah, well, I'm just curious. First of all, you said hunting. So what kind of uh, hunting goes on over there on the islands? A lot of boar hunting. Boar hunting, um, okay. Boars introduced to the islands is a sort of game. Um, certain islands like Molokai, Lanai, um, they have some deer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too, I'm, I know there's different types, but I'm not sure what kind. Right. Um, there's deer. There's also like some um, goats and stuff. But that's about it. When it comes to hunting... In Hawaii, most people just think of boars. Yeah. And that's a really big thing, too, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I I know you're famous for your uh, pig roasts over there, so um, it only <laughs> makes sense, right? Yeah, the, the luau's right. all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you got into fishing. I mean, is that where you grew up? Yeah, you know, it's kind of different. Um, every It's kind of always... You know, the beach, you're just surrounded by ocean here. You live on an island, so anytime you go somewhere, you see someone fishing or diving. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, like, you know, you just go with your family growing up, but I didn't get serious about it until I was probably late in high school. Mm-hmm. And already at that point, I was past the learning curve, so a lot of the things that I had to learn was just from trial and error, just going out with older guys and stuff. Everything over here is really um, because of, the whole um, locals and the culture where they have all these things that they've been doing for a while here, it's hard for them to be able to share that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you probably get that a lot, you know, like that um, localism kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where it's hard, it's hard to figure out certain things because you can't find the information anywhere. Yeah. Um, other than asking, you know, so that's kind of how I had to get started. But once I did, I mean, you start off small over here, we have, um, Dunking is a really big 
big thing, which is kind of surf casting. So the big target is GT, which is Giant Trevally. Oh, yeah. I've seen those and, on TV. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Definitely. Yeah, Australia is huge. Right. I, I love watching the top surface when they go off the boat plugging. <laughs> yeah. Now, can you do that from the surf there? Can you plug for them? You can. Um, on the island that I live on, Oahu, there mm-hmm. are certain spots um, that you have to go to because um, each island has a different sort of um, structure around it. Mm-hmm. So Oahu is one of the older islands, so the reefs are really kind of flat. And it's also the biggest island. We have most of the population of Hawaii lives on Oahu. We have This is where all the military bases are. Mm, and okay. so there's a lot of people here. So everything is kind of saturated along the reefs and stuff. So if, it, it makes it even harder for like the locals to be like, oh, the fish this spot because this spot is good because they don't want anybody taking their honey <laughs> hole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand yeah. that. Yes, absolutely. So the other islands, Kauai, uh-huh. so that's the Garden Island. Um, that's really big. If you just like go on YouTube, you can see a lot of people just unplugging and stuff and that's um a lot it has a lot to do with how the reef is set up over there a lot Mm -hmm. of steep cliffs and stuff where the you can target the gts are coming in closer to shore okay and also there's less people there so um a lot more action (laughs) right right now how hard is it for you to uh you know hop over to some of those other islands um you know are there places to stay i mean or do you have friends that live over in some of the other places how, you know how do you do those excursions to other places in hawaii that's a really good question i wish it was easier than um than what it is i have a lot of friends from california west coast that come and they want to visit me because a lot of people go to maui that's, mm-hmm. that's the number one tourist destination over here yeah and um they think it's as easy as like hopping on a boat you know or like a 50 dollar flight but they make it a little bit difficult for people to hop over unless you have that pre-flight pre or pre-flight um, set up where I'm going to go to the Big Island and then Kauai for a week, you know. Yeah. And so the flights just round trip from island to island run you about 150 bucks to $250 depending yeah. on what time you catch them at. So that right there, that's just for the flight. Yeah, so it's a little difficult. And mm-hmm. um, they used to have this thing called the Super Ferry about 10 years ago. I think it stopped, but there's a lot of questions regarding what it was doing to the ecosystem. Super debatable. Uh, yes, can look it up. It's a whole thing. I mean, uh, a lot of locals were against it on different islands and stuff because it was make it easier, right, for the for the process of like bringing tourists from this island to this island. So mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of beef with that. Um, personally, I wish we still had it just for people like me, you know, fishermen, divers that want to connect with other people right. on different islands and just try out different grounds and stuff. But yeah, it is a little difficult, uh, a lot easier with social media. So mm-hmm. Like you said, if I have friends on other islands, I do have a lot of diver friends, you know, we all follow each other on Instagram, Facebook, and those people are more than willing to take you out on different spots if you're not familiar with an island. Oh, how cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it was quite as easy uh, to get from one spot to another over there. How how far are some of the islands apart? I mean, you're talking about a plane ride uh, between some of them. But, I mean, are there any close enough where guys get in their offshore boats and, you know, travel back and forth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's <laughs> – yeah, I'm going to open up a whole other little world for a lot of the people that are listening to your show. There's a lot of um, – kind of drama sometimes um but it, it's for good reason so for instance molokai 
really small island. Um, everybody knows everybody over there. So that's really close to Oahu. If you go on Oahu's south side where Waikiki is, mm-hmm. you go a little bit past that, there's this bay called Hanama Bay. It's really famous for being a sanctuary. You can go to snorkel and see a lot of endemic species, but you can see Molokai from the south side of the island. And they actually do a canoe race or a canoe paddle from one island to the other. Oh, um, okay. I'm not sure how many miles, but it's really long. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you can take offshore boats there. And um, I know of divers that go over there and they dive the reefs, the reef, um, the reef structures along Molokai from Oahu. And mm-hmm. some of the people that own private property on the beachfront, you know, the locals and stuff, ranchers um, that do cattle and stuff and don't, don't, or aren't appreciative of that kind of, um, you know, travel. <laughs> yeah. They like their uh, isolation and privacy, I guess, over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So there's actually a case that just got resolved a month or two ago. So some divers were um, diving from Oahu to Molokai, and they actually um, went out there to confront them on a boat, um, almost ran over one of the divers. Oh, geez. Boarded the boat, stole all their gear push them off the boat i mean this is like the most extreme um one of the more extreme things that's happened yeah those guys obviously got jail time and put on the spot names released to the public you know posted all over the social medias over here but um even that was a super debated topic a lot some locals were for it some were against it you know some guys were like well they shouldn't be going to another island and and harvesting their their resources and this and that, because a lot of people, especially on the smaller islands, on Molokai, Lanai, um, some of these more inaccessible islands, they really stay true to, um, you know, cultural roots and stuff and right. surviving off the resources. Whereas for us over here on Oahu, it's a little more, um, how would you say, built up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So for us, it's more of a hobby thing, whereas for them, their perspective is more of, resources so when you right. see um people coming from wahoo it's like seeing people coming like tourists from the mainland coming and taking a bunch of fish you know mm-hmm. that's the equivalent <laughs> right yeah so oahu for a, a lot of the other islands is the mainland because there's so much going on here yeah well that's that's a very interesting perspective you know from those of us over here on the other mainland you know wouldn't normally pick up on that that's a <laughs> that, that's a cool insider's uh insight as to the culture there yeah, it is, um, and i don't want to scare anybody either i mean this is like the more extreme i mean everybody kind of everyone has a respect when they come here for the culture mm-hmm. but as far as that goes those are the more um extreme examples of it but if you want to fish or dive here definitely do so i mean just like those certain islands like molokai stuff like that i mean if you'll you'll know when you're unwanted in certain areas Right. Even locals. <laughs> yeah. And if and, and it's probably a good idea if you are going to go to a remote place like that or something to definitely uh, get somebody who's in the know uh, to, you know, maybe go with or, or, you know, talk you through what's accepted practices and not, I guess, over there. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like even that whole situation, I'm, I'm not saying they're in the wrong. Like, I totally think those guys deserve to be in jail and, and so and so, but. You know, like, even if they, they did it in a different way, you know, had they said, like, oh, we, we're from Oahu, we want to take our boats over, dive over here, you think it's okay, you know, then then 
that's a little bit easier way to resolve stuff like that. But right. You know, yeah. Right. There's <laughs> definitely two sides to every story, you know, and you could, you could see why the locals would, would be upset there, but, um, well, just, you know, glad nobody got hurt and hopefully, uh, they can work those things out a little more, uh, peacefully, uh, from now on. But, um, what well, we were talking about, uh, fishing there a little bit. Um, so let's talk about some other types of fishing that you do there on Oahu. Um, you talked about the surf casting for, for GTs. What other types of things do you like to do? Okay, so here, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. Um, dunking is probably the, the biggest one, as I mentioned. And I'm going to go into that one a little bit more because mm-hmm. it's so, um, that's what everybody does over here. Yeah. It's a really passive um, way of fishing, that's why. <clears throat> you don't have to be on the shore casting your pole all the time. You can drop in bait. So, like, most common baits they have here are taco, which is octopus. The okay. wine referred as hey. Yeah, so the best bait is fresh bait. Um, go on Facebook over here, Craigslist. People sell fresh octopus. Oh, really? Still blinking. Yeah, they sell it for you know eight dollars a pound. So you buy some of that, and it only has that price for so long. After about a day, it's not fresh anymore. So you you sell it for about five dollars a pound. Okay. And that's just with dumping. You know, a lot of bait. Another bait that we use here is squid eco. Um, cut strips of squid from the store. You know, mm-hmm. just the frozen one. Um, we use shrimp over here. So it just depends on what kind of game you're targeting. Obviously, right. like the taco and live bait even we use. Um, that That's also used to par- target GTs. Um, shrimp and, and squid, you can use for GTs. I mean, GTs will eat anything pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The bigger it is, you know, the kind of better chance you have of um, sticking out, sticking your bait out from the others. Mm-hmm. But as far as um, GTs go, everything's kind of just in the air. But taco is the most popular okay. uh, bait to use. So squid, um, like I said, and and um, shrimp, mostly eel, which is bonefish. Oh, I know there's a lot of bonefish. Okay. Yeah, that people fish for. That's another big target over here. Oh, yeah. how about that? I didn't realize you had those over there. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, different things that uh, like I have friends that come over here and some things that we can put together. He's like, Oh, that's bonefish. And I was like, Oh, well, we call it old eel over here. <laughs> huh. Yeah. How yeah. about that? So do you catch those in the same way? So here, uh, on the mainland, shall we say in yeah. Florida, where I'm from, we have bonefish and then over in the Bahamas, obviously is another big place for them in the Caribbean. And usually you're in, you know, two three feet of water pretty shallow water with sandy bottom uh and you're trying to sight cast them is it the same way over there is that how you catch them or do you target them differently um, a lot of people catch them um dunking style so hmm, okay um, even our poles over here so pen um makes poles specific to hawaiians are or the locals over here so you, you probably are familiar with some of the, the poles that they have um carnage is their bigger one okay really heavy conventional style pole yeah so if you, um the carnage is over here they have an allure on top of it <laughs> okay so there's carnages we have um like the pen battalion is another one a little bit stiffer pole that's more for plugging i just bought one okay um but we we all target um 
that OEOs mostly with dunking. There are some people that do it with fly, um, with flies, fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly on the east coast of this island, on Marine Corps base. I've been seeing that lately on top of um, Instagram and stuff. But that's new to me. I've never seen that before. But as far as I know, everybody tries to catch OEO dunking. Really? Yeah, so okay. Just with, just with um, squid or, you know, octopus. Or shrimp, love maybe. Octopus. As shrimp yeah. yeah so we use a long leader so probably like a 30 40 pound leader mm-hmm. about three to four feet is the usual oil rig mm-hmm. and then we use the um our sinkers are probably probably like a foot depending on what size your pole is is what you're gonna throw mm-hmm. the egg sinkers okay so and you want those up yeah, above so, the hook um a little bit lower so usually oil rigs over here or the bonefish rigs, we call them. Mm-hmm. Um, we make our leaders a lot longer than we do the lead line. Okay. Yeah, because the oil, they're they're picking stuff off the off the sand in the bottom, right? So yep. that's kind of the concept. Whereas if you were going targeting alouas or GTs, um, you would make the lead line a lot longer than the than the leader. That way, you kind of bringing the bait off the off the reef floor. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, but I, I know it's different. Um, so eel fishing in Florida, like you said, you guys go two, three feet water. Mm-hmm. You guys, do you guys cast for them? Yeah. You so you're talking stuff? about the fly fishing. That's a big way to do it. But um, it, uh, the other way would be spin casting with, you know, a jig with tipped with shrimp or something. And you're trying to cast it in front of them and get it on the bottom in front of them and have them, you know, work up to it and grab it. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of spot fishing them. I know they yeah. come in super shallow waters. Um, I've seen them on certain areas where the reef is kind of set up nice, where there's like a big kind of channel coming through, and there's like flat two to three feet water. You can see their little fins sticking out. Mm-hmm. So you you put that bait right in front of them, right? Like you said, yes. Kind of target them. Absolutely. So do you do that same kind of thing over there at all, or are, are there places to do that? It's um. There are certain places. Um, honestly, I think they're just on the, on the army bases. So Hickam okay. is another big one. Hickam and Pearl Harbor, they're joint bases now. So if oh, you go okay. over there, there's a really nice reef where people go fishing. So, um, and it's kind of, it's better too. Um, one of my buddies, he's, he's in the Navy, so he takes me on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people you can only get on if you have, uh, base access. Yeah. And so that kind of helps with, you know, keeping the, keeping the resources in check <laughs> right right yeah. but not everyone can get on and do that yeah mm-hmm. yeah we've got a few spots like that uh in florida as well where you know i'll see and say wow i wish i could go out there on that beach like that guy <laughs> yeah. but uh um no it is it's definitely good for the for those areas and helps preserve them and keeps them natural so that's a good thing and um so We've talked about uh, bonefish and GT. What what are uh, some of the other species that you go after over there or tend to typically catch? So just with GTs alone, um, trevallies, there's different types over here. Um, so there's And there's different names for them too. So GTs, it's called Ulua Aukea. So U-L-U-A-A-U-K-E-A. So that's that's the biggest one. Okay. So back in the days, um, Hawaiians, Hawaiian culture, if you can angle an allure and bring one up, then like you're a warrior. That's that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah, how it's been, you know. And it's such a great 
they're such big fish, you know, they get over a hundred pounds. I don't oh, know what the record man. is now, but yeah, a lot of people pull up triple digits, um, with GTs. So there's different ways of doing it, but GTs are a big one. There's also these, um, another type of trevally called Omilus. Um, and those are bluefin trevally. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen them, you know, it's all around the Pacific. They have, them. Okay. They, they look like, um, regular GTs, but they have a nice blue fin on the back and they have yellow spots. So that's another big one. Um, they get about 30 pounds. Then wow. there's um, golden trevally, which we call pow pow. And those mm-hmm. have stripes going down the middle. And then there's also, um, what is it called? Kagami. Kagami, which is mm-hmm. um, another type of alua. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So aluas are any type of trevally that's over 10 pounds. Okay. So if I caught if I caught a, a trevally like a GT and it was under ten pounds, it's called a papillo. Okay. So papillo. that's kind of how you distinguish it. Yeah, papillo. So that'd be like P A P I O. So if I caught an alua, that would be a, any type of trevally that's over ten pounds. Whether it's an omilu, like I said, uh, GT, um, the other the golden trevally or the kagami. All these other fish, if they're over ten pounds, and you caught in the lure. If it's under, then it's a still appeal. Right. Yeah. So everybody's trying to go for the lure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask. Now, do you ever use? I, I mean, obviously, if if you're getting the the big GTs, you've got to have some pretty heavy duty gear and bigger hooks and things. But do you ever try and tackle down and and specifically target the smaller ones? You know, with lighter tackle or are they just kind of bycatch from the bigger ones? Um, the, the smaller tackle. Um, so like the other stuff, like I said, is oil, um, the bonefish. Um, what else do we catch from shore over here? Um, papillos. You can, you can um, target papillos, the smaller ones as well. Okay. Kind of with the same sort of rig you would for, for the bonefish. We also have this fish called moe, which is endemic to Hawaii. It has like some whiskers and stuff. It's really, it's delicious awesome fish um but it's it's endemic to hawaii and that's another one that you can catch um dunking mm, let me see if i can okay. pull up the actual name for it yeah but moi is a huge one so it almost sounds like a uh saltwater catfish yeah it it, it looks like one too <laughs> okay wow how about that yeah but moi is a big one those are probably the top three um there's also um what else do we catch here Mullet, mullet, we can catch mullet over here. Okay. On ama ama, and then barracudas, stuff, stuff like that. When we get back, Justin is going to share an epic Hawaiian fishing story with us. So hang tight, and we'll be right back. Here's a tip for you about sunscreen. I noticed that many of my sun shirts that I use for fishing were getting nasty rust-colored stains on them around the hand and neck areas. Unfortunately, it would not wash out no matter what I tried, and we all know those pretty fishing shirts are not cheap. As it turns out, that staining is caused by an additive which is in many sunscreens, especially the spray-on kinds that I used to use often. Thankfully, there is a brand of sunscreen that is specially formulated without that additive, so now those pretty shirts stay picture-perfect. Check out our gear page at www.tell.fish gear. We have a link to this sunscreen for you there. Okay, 
We are back with Justin Tantog, and uh, man, I have been learning so much about Hawaii and the fishing that they have over there, and we've just barely even scratched the surface, I'm sure. You know, this is probably something we could do hours and hours on just to learn more about that amazing fishery, but uh, Justin has an epic story for us that uh, I'm excited to hear. So why don't you just kind of set that up for us and, you know, tell us what happened and what you were doing that day. Okay, so this is going to be a spearfishing story that I'm going to share with you guys. Yeah, um, awesome. A fishing story. So I, I love spearfishing. You can mm-hmm. only do it in the summer where I live. So everything kind of has to be perfect. Wind has to be good. Water clarity, if it's been raining for the last couple of days and you can't go diving. Um, a lot of gear that you have to have ready before you go to. Mm-hmm. It's the safest way to do it. And um, I was actually diving with a buddy of mine the first time me and him dove together. So a lot of guys over here, uh, if, if their buddy is working and stuff, they'll just go pop on Facebook or Instagram and, and just ask anybody who wants to dive with me today. I'm going to be at this spot, so-and-so. So that's another way for us to connect and yeah. and enjoy enjoy stuff and Oh, you always want to dive with a partner mm-hmm. when you go out in the ocean, <clears throat> just with the shallow water blackouts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it was super early in the morning. I was diving off this spot called Keiki's, which is um, up on the North Shore where I live. So if you guys have heard of Pipeline, um, some of these other big beaches, um, that's that's the exact city where I live in. Oh, so we're okay. diving off there and, and the reef structure is really nice because the reason why we get such big waves is because the reef is really shallow mm-hmm. and there's big channels behind it. So you don't have to go too far. That's why a lot of people like to catch the ahis and stuff on the outside, the offshore stuff, mm-hmm. uh, because it gets deep so fast. Right. And so me and him were diving this one spot where <clears throat> drops off about 40, 50 feet, um, not even 200 yards offshore. Yeah, so we're swimming out there. Um, first time diving with him, we're kind of doing our own thing, checking on grounds. And then I come across this big school of ava, which are milkfish. Hmm, okay. So I'm taking drops, targeting other other sorts of reef fish. So milkfish, <clears throat> are you familiar with milkfish? I, I've heard of them, but don't know much about them, no. They're like big um, bonefish. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah, if you, have you, if you guys eat bonefish, it's the same kind of meat. Like you kind of have to pull the meat off the bone. Um, mm. That's how you kind of, you have to make whatever you're going to do with them. Um, so... Yeah, this big school of bonefish, my first time ever seeing them in the water, or milkfish, rather. Milkfish, right. Mm-hmm. And I was taking drops around 40, 50 feet, um, targeting other sort of reef fish. And they're kind of just hanging out, not really coming in close enough where I would have a shot. Mm-hmm. And then I swam closer into the reef structure, and I just see them going back and forth on this shelf. I, I come in from one angle from the deeper side of the shelf, take a drop. They're kind of not really not really noticing me. Try to come up closer, but it was a little too far. So then I go on the flat side of the reef. I come around, take a drop, and they still going back and forth. So I'm not sure what it was. We tried looking up the t- what the tide was that day, what the moon was, time of day, all that kind of stuff. Try and put it together. But for some reason, they were just hanging out along the shelf, going up and down. A school of about two dozen of them. Hmm. So about... The, the smaller ones, maybe 20 pounds. The bigger ones, probably up to 40 pounds, 50 pounds. Wow. Hanging out. Yeah, so I go ahead and took a, take a drop, and uh, my heart's already pumping. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard It's hard to hold your breath long when you're that excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I took a drop, uh, managed to shoot the first one of the school that came across. 
and start screaming my line. Um, so it's pulling my line out, headed straight to shore. And just like with fishing, you want to let the fish run and get tired. Mm-hmm. So I just let, let the drag go on top of the reel of my, my spear gun. It's running all the way in. I'm trying to I'm trying to boost it in. That's what we call it over here, boost, when you gain ground on the fish. Okay. I'm trying to boost it in, handline it, pull it in, getting all tangled up. But finally managed to land it. It's my biggest fish I caught thus far, fishing or spearfishing. It's a 29-pound milkfish. Wow. And I actually have a video of it Yeah, on, my, on YouTube. Anybody wants to check it out? It's a little short clip of it, but yeah. That's that's the most solid fish that I've caught over here. Wasn't an allure like I hoped for, <laughs> like a big allure. Right, I, right. I managed to pick something up that big, yeah. So it was nice walking on the beach with a fish just as big as me on my back. <laughs> wow, man, that's awesome. And uh, so you say you were in how deep of water? It was, um, where I shot it, in the shelf was about 25 feet, and the mm-hmm. drop-off behind it was around 40, 50 feet. Okay, so you're you're having to dive down pretty good each time you make a drop to to get to the fish, right? Yeah, definitely. Most most divers over here, I'd say ninety nine percent are all free divers. So mm-hmm. everyone, it depends on how long you can hold your breath, the spots that you know. Much like fishing, you got a good spot, then that spot's going to hold. Preferably, right. you want to pick a spot that's shallow and that has a lot of fish, but. Sometimes you have, if you want to get after it, you're gonna to have to hold your breath a while and learn how to dive 50 plus feet. Yeah. But this 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 spot was kind of a learning ground for me. 40, 50 feet is usually around the time when, right when you get to the bottom, you're like, oh, I gotta get back up there. Already. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It'd, it'd be about four or five feet for me, and I'd be looking for the service again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it definitely paid off trying to go, trying to trying to push my limits a little bit. Oh yeah, well. So, you know, it's it's pretty deep out there. You said it was about 200 yards off the shore. Do you just swim out there and then you're just kind of treading water between drops? Or did you take a boat or something out with you? No, everybody swims out. Um, the furthest I've gotten out, probably like two miles. But um, Wow. Yeah, the Coast Guard had to get called that day. Pushed it a little too far. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't actually need their help. But, yeah, I had, my concerned family on the shore was like, no, this is this is too bad already. We need a call, but we managed, we managed to get back in there. Yeah. So a lot of, um, um, shore diving, we call it. Um, some people go off boats get mm-hmm. to the more inaccessible areas, you know, like because the reef is set up. So over here we call it first reef, second reef, third leaf, third, um, third reef, and mm-hmm. then blue water. So that's where all the pelagics hang out. Oh, so okay. first, like if I'm going to tell somebody, Oh, go to this beach, the second reef is good then I'm telling them just don't even bother diving the first reef, swim straight out to the second reef and Mm -hmm. then, and then waste your time over there, you know? Right. So that might be in, in that where you were just talking about the 40 foot depth rather than the 25 foot depth. Exactly. The second reef is, um, is where it was. Yeah. So Ah. if you notice, um, if you come to Hawaii, um, wherever the water, if it's really shallow, you'll see the waves breaking over a reef on the outside. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our goal. It gets a little bit deeper in the front, and then as it goes out, it gets shallow, shallow, and there's, there's another drop off, and then that's kind of the mark of where um, the first reef meets the second reef. I, I would assume in some places there's a trick to kind of getting out off the beach, like if it's really rocky or um, you've got a lot of coral or whatever up in close to shore. Um, d- did you have to contend with any of that getting out there from the beach? 
Um, where where I was, um, it's it's a big um, rocky rocky area on the left side, mm-hmm. but the shoreline is is all sand. Okay. Yeah, and that spot is really well known for having big waves crashing. So no matter where you're going over there, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, local knowledge, I guess, that, that you need to have about, you know, the waves and what's on the bottom and the best way to approach it and currents. And th- there's, yeah, probably quite a bit to it, isn't there? Oh, definitely. So a lot of people, that's that's why social media has made it so much, um, not just easier, but safer for all divers and fishermen yeah. um, that want to try out different spots and stuff. Even if they they're, they're going to a spot for a while, and they want to know like, hey, do you think it's good for me to go here on this time? And people will tell you, no, because the current's going to be really strong. You might mm. get sucked out. You know, all these kinds of things. It kind of connects the dots. So that's yeah. kind of where like I'm trying to place myself in the middle of of this knowledge, this learning curve for the locals here, because everybody's starting to go on the social media and start sharing things. So right. That's kind of where we're at here. So these are these are good times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that and like you say, that is definitely an awesome use of social media to help keep each other safe. You know, tell people, hey, no, that's definitely not the time to go out, or don't don't do it that way, because you know, like you say, when you're out there in the ocean, you get a couple miles out, and uh, you know, <laughs> you might need the coast guard before oh, yeah. you know it. <laughs> For sure. Definitely. For sure. So. Well, so just before I let you go here, um, what's next on the bucket list, so to speak, for for spearfishing? I mean, you got a big milkfish. Um, what what else would you like to get? So my buddy, he's got a big twenty four foot boat um, mm-hmm. that he just bought. Still getting repaired. He got it for really cheap. So once he gets that thing running, um, he might start doing charters and stuff off of it. But mm. um, he's gonna take us out there. I've never been pelagic spearfishing, which is blue water diving. Really? That's when you go with flashers and, and three, four hundred feet water. And that, that's when you're really just floating out there. <laughs> now, now, how do you do that? So you, are, do you just let the boat drift and the flashers are kind of drifting behind the boat and you're and you're out there drifting with it? Or how, how does that work? So they, they sell flashers on a float. So you, you'll have a float out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to have a regular dive buoy because mm-hmm. um, you're so far out there and people, there's a boat right next to you. So you're not worried about getting run over. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You, have, you would have the flashers on a float. The flashers would drop down however many feet that you would have it, hopefully bring in some fish. Mm-hmm. You can also bring in some chum, so whatever chum you want to use, <laughs> create a chum line on the bottom. Yeah, so the biggest thing with that is depth perception. So like uh-huh. the Onos, which is the wa- Wahoos, Mahi-Mahis, yeah. um, Ahis, Marlins, all that kind of stuff, they come in and you know, you'll get lucky if you see one. Mm-hmm. But even when you try to take a shot, because it's all blue water, yeah. you don't really have anything to to judge the distance based on where you're at. So that's right. a challenge that I really wanna 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 take upon this year. Hopefully, if my buddy can get the boat running, um, yeah. But <laughs> that kind of stuff is you can go off a kayak, you can try to get out there that three four mile mark, but it's hard unless conditions are really perfect. But even then, yeah. Like, it's, you're on a little kayak way way the heck out there <laughs> yeah wow yeah that yeah, would that would be a little hairy for me yeah wow well <laughs> yeah. i i tell you what um when you when you make that happen i'd i'd love to talk to you again and 
see some pictures of that because, uh, man, that's got to be just insane out there trying to spearfish big fish in that deep water. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. I, I see videos of it. Um, yeah, if you guys, you guys go on YouTube and stuff, go check out YouTube. You'll see all the pelagic diving that they do over here mm-hmm. um, on the Big Island, on the South Shore. People actually do that off right offshore. Oh, really? So there's a nice wow. cliff structure. They'll, they'll hike down there jump in the water and i'm pretty sure it's not even like 100 200 yards out there where they start seeing mahi mahis and, <laughs> and stuff man no that, that that wouldn't work so well for us over here we've i gotta go about 30 miles out you know 20 to 30 miles out into the ocean before we uh start seeing mahi and that kind of stuff normally so uh we really? don't normally is it, is it kind of just all sand and stuff going out or yeah how, how's the how's the structure of the of the ocean yeah, so where um, where I am, which is in the middle of Florida, kind of where Orlando is um, on the east coast in the Atlantic Ocean, yeah, it's all just sandy bottom, and it's just a very kind of a gradual decline. So, you know, out at uh, 20 miles, you might be 100 feet deep or so. So no big drop-offs or anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, further south <laughs> in further yeah. south Florida, it's there. There are some bigger drop-offs within a mile or two of shore. But um, yeah, yeah makes it a little easier. All right. Well, Justin, man, that was just awesome hearing you talk about uh, that beautiful place you have to fish out there and just learning about all the amazing species. And uh, of course, that uh, epic uh, uh, spearfishing story. That's uh, just great stuff. And I'm just uh, so thankful you came on and shared that with us today. Thanks so much. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys for having me over here. Um, like I said, you only scratch the surface. I mean, we could talk about this for hours. So maybe maybe in the next call, hopefully I'll have a bigger fish by then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't doubt it one bit. All right, man. Take care. You too. As much as I would love to fish every day, like most folks, I have a day job. That's right, this rod and podcaster is a patent attorney. If you or anybody you know needs any help with a patent, copyright, or trademark matter, just give me a shout and I'd be happy to help out. And I have a feeling we might even talk a little bit about fishing. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.